pray for them as they go back. And uh, as they go back, you can take your copy of God's life-giving word and turn to the book of Acts. We're in chapter 2 this morning. So uh, if you need help, you can just cheat and go to the table of contents. It's the fifth book in the New Testament uh, toward kind of the back of the Bible. Uh, We'll be in chapter 2 starting in verse 42. And uh, we're going to look at what an, an ideal spiritual community looks like. Uh, beginning in verse 42. Um, And I think it's so relevant for us because uh, it's so apparent that uh, we live in a broken world. And uh, even this week, uh, it's so apparent that we ourselves live in a broken city. Um, So, you know, we we, we read the headlines and and we kind of keep up, right? And so we, we know of of, of life that's swirling around us, but uh, just this week it hit so close to, to home. Uh, there was a, a woman in Winchester yesterday uh, who lost her life uh, through a, a cruel act of an, an evil human being. Um, and then uh, probably you're well aware of, of what's been swirling in our own community. Uh, over, over winter break, uh, there was a, a, a gun magazine that was found at the theater of the McGlynn Middle School. And a cleaning crew found it and, and apparently you know, brought it to the principal and um, and then uh, what kind of makes this whole thing kind of blow up at, a, at the level of our community is um, the, uh, the mayor and the police chief didn't find out about it until just this last week. And so um, just a, a huge kind of public outcry, a lot of anger, a lot of confusion, a lot of questions, uh, and obviously the chief concern being the safety of our children and our community. And so we need to, you know, uh, be, be uh, aware of what's going on. Uh, we need to pray for our, our city leaders, our school committee. I mean, they had a five-hour uh, you know, meeting on Thursday night, and uh, they have another one coming up this week. So just, uh, you know, th- they need wisdom and, and how to navigate these challenges. They need wisdom on just making sure policies are in place, policies are followed. And uh, so it just reminds us that we live in a broken and an imperfect world. People take foolish action, and people often make unwise decisions. And before we kind of come from a position of holier than thou, I would have never done that. That wouldn't happen on my watch, you know. Um, let me just say that none of us are exempt, right? None of us are exempt. We've all made very foolish decisions in our lives. And so I want to pray this morning for our city, uh, but I want to pray that we would be a better city, okay? And I just want you to think about this metaphor that Jesus used, right? Jesus, when he looked out at those who were following him, he said, you are a city on a hill, all right? And so, so as, as, as Christians, as those who follow Jesus, okay, we are, as many have put it, we are uh, citizens of an earthly city, but we are citizens of a, a heavenly city, and so we dwell as citizens of two cities. We, we live in the, the city of man, but as, even as we live in, as in the city of man, we belong to the city of God. And it's so important as a church that we get this because the church should be leading the way, displaying what the city of man should look like because we are infused with the values of the kingdom of God. And so we're a city within a city. And so let's, let's pray that God would make us a, a beautiful reflection of the city that is to come, the heavenly city that one day Jesus says he is going to bring down at the end of the age. The heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, is going to come down. And, and, and God is going to make his dwelling place with man forever in a renewed creation. 
Amazing. Read the book of Revelation. It's all there. But as we, as we continue through the book of Acts, the end of Acts chapter 2 gives us a picture of what an ideal spiritual community looks like. It shows us the values that we should not only understand, but we should kind of hold up as a mirror. That's what God's word does, by the way. It's a mirror for us to evaluate our lives and to evaluate even our spiritual community right here as Redemption Hill Church. And so I want to read this, and then I want to pray that God would help us to live this kind of life together, all right? So so let's read uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Luke, the author, writes, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that in Christ you have brought us the message of salvation. You have extended to every single one of us the invitation to belong to a better city. And yet, Father, we even as citizens of your kingdom, we don't always live as good citizens of this earthly kingdom, this earthly city. And so, God, even before we pray for our mayor and our superintendent and our city councilors and our school committee members and the citizens of Medford, uh, God, would you make us, whether we live in Medford, Somerville, Cambridge, Winchester, Arlington, Malden, Everett, Chelsea, you name it. God, help us be good citizens of the place where you have brought us. Help us to care about our neighbors, to work for the common good of those around us, to do good work day by day as we serve others through our vocations. And God, even in times like these, when people are filled with anxiety, God, help us to model the peace that only comes from you. God, as as people uh, are are angry, and, and, and certainly at times justifiably so, God, help us to give a picture of how we can deal with anger and we can work through it together. Father, we want to be good citizens of of your city, even as we live in this city. So, Father, show us this from your word, and God, speak to us very intimately and directly in terms of how you want us to live this in our lives day by day. We pray in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Well, uh, we are going to think about this morning what it looks like to live with day-by-day devotions so that devotion, so that we can see the day-by-day wonders of God, okay? So, so, so we can kind of wrap this up. This is just one way, not the way, but one way to kind of summarize Acts 2, 42-47, is to say day-by-day wonders come through day-by-day devotion. All right, I'm just going to keep it real this morning, okay? We, we all want to see God do amazing things, right? We're like, God, show up, do amazing things. But we don't always want that that first piece, the devotion piece, you know, like day by day by day devotion. And what we see in the early church is this ideal spiritual community, they are devoted to God day by day by day, living their lives for him. And, and so that's, that's the, the first encouragement that I have for us is, is for us as a church, Redemption Hill Church, to exercise day by day devotion. Now, now, what does that look like? Well, these verses tell us very clearly, all right? Uh, but, but let's think about the idea of devotion. What does it mean to be devoted to something? When you are devoted to something, you have a steadfast focus, okay, that, that locks you in and leads you to a very consistent and persistent course of action to chase after the thing that you are devoted to, Right? So, so when you are devoted to some, there's a single-mindedness, right? It's like, man, I am going after that. I want more and more and more. I mean, we could look at the Olympics, right? And Olympic athletes, they, they, don't, they don't arrive there overnight. It doesn't just happen. But like, man, I think I'm going to learn how to curl. You know what I'm saying? Like, just kind of slide the thing, you know, like, you know, that would be awesome. I wish it was that easy. You know, I would like sign up, okay? But I don't have time for that, okay? Because it takes devotion to get after that kind of excellence, but, but, but what I love here, if you look back in verse 42, okay, I'm just going to keep saying this. Right? I hope you enjoy. All right, I'm going to keep saying this. They devoted themselves. Can, can we just all get on the same page here? Okay, this wasn't like Peter, James, and John, you know, the, like the real, you know, the, the, big, the big guys, the, you know, the special Christians, okay? No, this is a description. Do you remember what John taught us last week? Look back in verse 41. And that day they're added... Uh, to their number, 3,000 souls. So, so this is a, a description of actually not just like super Christians, okay, whatever that means, okay, but these are like all Christians, even new Christians. Some of you are new Christians. You're new followers of Jesus. And, and, and so this should characterize all of our lives in this together. And so what were they devoted to? I want to give you two categories, and then the second one we're going to break down in a few different ways, okay? Uh, number one, they were devoted to the truth of Christ. And this is foundational. Look, look at verse 42, the opening words. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, so what was going on here is that the apostles heard the teaching of Jesus about who God is, who we are as human beings, and how God wants us to relate to him and to one another in the world in which we live. And they took that teaching of Jesus, and then they taught what he taught them to others. This is, this is how it worked. Um, they, were, they were taking this truth, and, and the teaching, okay, was, don't miss this, was not just information. My goal is not to impart information to you today. I don't, I don't prepare, like, I don't work hard. Like, no, 
The goal is that information travels from the mind to the heart, okay? And that God takes his truth and he transforms us and gives us all new desires and loves and actions that actually display the truth that we've come to receive. So it's not about information, it's really about transformation. Transformation is built on the information. We can't have one without the other, but it doesn't just stop with information. We're called to live it out. And so I would just say, listen, your vast knowledge of God does not impress God. Your vast knowledge of God does not. You can, you can know the Bible backward and forward. And that does not, like, no, God, but God's heart is thrilled, is thrilled when we actually put all of that knowledge of truth into practice in our daily lives. Just go read Matthew 21, the parable of the two sons, if you just kind of need some support for this idea. All right, the parable of the two sons. And so this is why, this is when we teach. Like we're just, we, we try to explain the Bible because the Bible can never mean what it never meant. Think about that. It can never mean what it never meant. So we have, there's an understanding that we need to, this is what the Bible means. But then we're not just up here explaining it, but we're trying to expose its relevance, right? Because if this is timeless truth, it's as, it's as relevant in 2018 as it was in, 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 in AD 50. And so we're looking at what does it look like for us to live this out? And so the apostles' teaching then is, 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 is built on what Jesus taught in the Gospels. That's why we keep reading the Gospels. And Jesus was fulfilling all of the Old Testament scriptures. Okay, so the apostles' teaching is really covered for us from the 39 books of the Old Testament through the four Gospels, Acts. We have their teaching, and then it's recorded in the next 22 books. Okay, so that's another way of saying like, all of this is relevant for us. It all runs together. There's all one story, promises made, promises kept. It's all the story of God's creation and our redemption through Jesus. So they were devoted to the truth of Christ, but then they were also together in Christ. All right? They, they, were, they were together in Christ. The, the basic, look at the, the next word there. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. All right? And, and it's like, what is, what is that? Well, again, if you just kind of keep reading, kind of illumination starts to happen. We understand more, okay? Verse 44, it says that all who believed were together. And so the idea of fellowship is, is having close association. It's about sharing life together. It's about actually being together, right? So I'm just going to put this out there, right? We can't have true fellowship, and another word for fellowship is partnership, okay? Like self-sacrificing for a common vision and purpose, okay? Like when you enter into a business venture, some of you are entrepreneurs in the room, okay? It's like you go in after a business venture, you better have a shared vision and purpose, right? And you're even like, when you do, then you're willing to sacrifice for that venture, Right? And so, so, so this idea of, of partnership is, is, is about actually spending time together, going after the same thing. That's why this time, as precious as, as it is, as precious as it is, I love hearing you sing this morning. Wow, like, this was some of the best singing we've ever, I mean, I'm here every Sunday, all right? So just don't argue with me, all right? It's like, you guys were awesome today. Thank you. Singing out these beautiful songs of our faith. But, but, but Sundays is, is, is not enough. Just kind of rubbing shoulders, like, is 
75 minutes plus, you know, like coming in, going out. I mean, it's wonderful. But this is why we have groups through the week. This is why we're saying, let's get together again. Let's, let's meet on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday night. And then beyond that, let's, let's connect. Like, listen, I know we, we live in one of the busiest cities in the world, right? We live in one of the most ambitious cities in the world. And so our time is like our calendars are packed and our time is precious. And, but listen, I just want to keep saying this, okay? We have time for what we want to make time for. Come on now. I'm glad you're awake. You're alive. This is the man. Thank you. Keep, keep talking to me, all right? Keep bringing it. I'm going to bring you bring it back. And I'm going to keep. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I've been praying about that. Uh, so you just done throw, you threw me off. What was I talking about? Fellowship. Vision. We make time for what we want to make time for. Okay, so like, don't tell me that you can't communicate with one another. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you, it doesn't take me five seconds. Yo, what's up? You know, we keep talking about copy, paste, send. You know, like, get it out. FaceTime. FaceTime for 10 minutes. If you can't get together face-to-face, FaceTime for 10 minutes. 10 minutes is better than no minutes. Irrefutable. Irrefutable. So, so, so how was this fellowship expressed? It was expressed at least in three ways that we see here. Okay, number one, they, they shared meals together. They spent time together over meals. It says in verse 42 still, it says the teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, okay? And so like these could be taken off as like four separate, uh, you know, breaking of bread, prayers with teaching and fellowship, okay? But I'm, I'm looking at these as more kind of like appositionally if you're English majors, okay? Like they're, they're kind of describing, complementing this idea of fellowship, all right? And certainly breaking bread together is a reality of fellowship. Praying together is a reality of fellowship. So they were together, and this could be an allusion to the Lord's Supper. We celebrate regularly at Redemption Hill, that Jesus died for us, and so we partake of bread together, and we partake of the cup, reminding us of the, the blood that he shed for us. But this is probably a broad reference to just generally hanging out and partaking of meals together. And, and so um, to, to share a meal together in the first century, even more than today, although this is still true, right, was a sign of acceptance and intimacy. All right? So it's like when you sit down with someone and you're like sharing an hour of, of food and conversation, or you know when it's really good, it's not just an hour, it's like an hour, two, three, or four. And so it was a, a sign of intimacy and friendship. And this was the scandal. All right? If you're just getting to know Jesus, you'll probably like this about him. This was the scandal about Jesus, is that Jesus sat down and he shared meals with prostitutes, tax collectors, and sinners. And it was a scandal because there's... People, these religious leaders are saying, whoa, like, you're, you're welcoming them into your space. Like, God's grace could be even for them. You want to be a friend of those kind of people? Yes, this is the God we follow. And so the obvious encouragement here, just to be clear, we, we should spend some time getting meals together. We should go grab a meal together. I love it when this people leave from church and go grab a meal together. You know, we can, we don't just have to like, I know we're all on limited budgets, so it's not like go out, eat out all the time. It's like, come, come to my house. I'll, I'll make you something. If you don't know how to cook, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, all right? <laughs> come on now, that ain't too hard. If, if you know how to cook, then you could help someone else by teaching them how to cook. 
So you can spend time together, share meals together. If the budget is super tight, which I totally understand, okay, then like go grab a coffee together. If the budget is insanely tight, then go order water. That's right. Spending time together over meals, breaking bread. Let me just say this. Share a meal with someone and see if you don't just, maybe just a little bit, grow closer to that person. Try me. And it's not just try me, try this. Try the the word of God. If it's true, it's true. Spend time with one another. Grow together over meals. Grow together in prayer. I mean, here, here we go again, right? Acts 2.42, Stone 42. Um, apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. So you can remember just a couple of messages ago, we were in chapter 1, verse 14, and it says, and they all, with one accord, meaning they were unified in, in, in just heart and vision, with one accord, they were devoting themselves to prayer. And in chapter 1, Okay, chapter two, devoting themselves to prayer. We, we, we build our fellowship. We build our togetherness when we pray together. And so I'm so thankful. Again, you're just going to keep hearing me say this. Okay? I'm so thankful for the, the culture of prayer that's building in our church. But, but we have plenty of room to grow in this. So listen, this week, when we're trying to make strategic decisions, right? You, you make decisions based on your values. And so um, this week in our groups, we're having groups nights of prayer where groups are going to come together with other groups and they're going to pray together. And let me just exhort you, okay, this is not like a good week's like, oh, something different is going on. Oh, we're meeting somewhere else. Maybe, maybe not. Um, this would be a great week for me just to, you know, get those other three things afforded on, on my task list. I'm just going to check out. No. No. Please, please do not do that. Be there. Full attend, like packed out living rooms, wherever you're gathering, praying together that God would move in our hearts, move in our city, do wonders among us. So we have groups nights of prayer this week, and then on March 8th, we scheduled our next night of prayer at our Redemption Hill Community Center. All right, come on. Thank you, Jesus, for providing the Redemption Hill Community Center. All right, and so that place at the very top of the list, we were visioning out what we want to see God do there, At number one was what? It's a place of prayer. We're going to get up in that space, and we are going to pray up in that space. We're going to spend a lot of time praying in in larger gatherings and smaller gatherings and and in smaller conversations. And so on on that night, we're just going to ask God to move during this Lent season, during this Easter season, for his work in us, for his work through us and around us, for these breakthroughs that we're praying for this week. We're going to keep praying for them until we see them happen. And so we're going to pray on those on March uh, 8th. That's a Thursday night, 7 p.m., be there. I, when this, is my, this is what I'm praying, all right? You can see it in my journal. I, just, I don't share everything that I write in my journal, but sometimes I share some things, all right? So I'm praying that this year we would definitely see over 50 people at one of our gatherings. That's probably too small. I can't wait until it happens on March 8th because I'm just going to write it again. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a new prayer, a new goal. And so when we have 50 there or 50 become 70 or 75, um, then what's going to happen? Maybe it's 175. We're going to pray out in the parking lot, all right? I hope it's not snowing. But it's going to be overflow crowd. You know, we have a little foyer. We can get more people out there. Come and see it. Pray. Together over meals. Together praying. And and hold on, just let me, I almost missed this. I I know sometimes we're apprehensive. 
Like, if I can just be honest with you, I, I have friends in seminary. Like, seminary is like grad school for pastors, all right? So there's one friend, Josh Green. He's one of my be- best friends in life, all right? Marsha's, like, second time that we got to hang out was at his wedding, all right? And I was, like, praying, Lord, I'm going to make another wedding sometime, you know? Just, just having visions, you know? So, uh, but anyway, uh, Josh, he was just, man, he was a godly guy. And, and he, man, he had a very mature prayer life. And so when we would get together to pray, when I would hear him pray, and the way that he was in tune with his relationship with God, you, you know what that made me do? That made me say, like, whoa, I don't pray like that. I've never even told him this. Maybe I'll, like, send him a clip of the video, right? But, like, wow. I, I, was, I was encouraged, but then I was also, because I cared more about what he would think about my prayers than what, what God thought about my prayers, than I did not pray. Or I would just, you know. So we've, I'm just saying we've all been there. We've all had these feelings. Oh, I don't know how to pray. I'm not as good at prayer as there, uh, you know. And, and so we, we hold back. But the best way to learn to, to pray is to pray. The best way to grow in prayer is prayer. The best way to build a culture of prayer is actually by praying together. And so we're, we're together. We're together over meals. We're together in prayer. And then we're together meeting needs of one another. Look at verses 44 and 45. We have to understand them carefully. It says, all who believe were together. We caught that. But now it says, and they had all things in common. And this seems to clearly be referring to something more than just like values and principles and philosophy and vision of God. It seems to be saying that they shared material possessions. They're like, what belongs to me belongs to you kind of thing. And what helps us understand this even more is that in verse 45, it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so verse 44, it almost sounds like a utopian dream, you know? It's like, it it almost sounds like communism to our maybe capitalistic ears. It's like, wow, like everything Like Pastor Tanner, like are the pastors of Redemption like setting up a church bank account and like I deliver my paycheck all into the same bank account? I'm glad some people are laughing. That is not the implication, right? We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But some of you are like, oh man, I'm off the hook. Nobody's, Nobody's off the hook. Because they, they actually took of their own possessions and belongings and they sold them for the benefit of someone else. When need arose. And I can't, I can't tell you all the details, but I can tell you that some of like, and again, it's life together. It's happening when we get together in groups through the week, man. Some of our groups have been so generous to one another. I'm not just talking about like, hey, here's a gift card. Although that's awesome. By like, so but I'm talking about some major generosity, taking what belongs to me for the sake of you. And can I just, as we live as a city within a city, okay, we live in Boston, Massachusetts, in the United States of America, which means we live under the influence of Western culture. What this means is we value the individual over the community. We have a me over we mindset. And I'm just, I'm just saying the Bible doesn't tip that way. The, like the New Testament doesn't tip that way. 
It's not me over we, it's we over me. And so that, that means I need, to, I, I need to take it out from time to time, you know what I'm saying? You need $20? Here's 20. You need to buy a meal? Here's my card. We need to do that for one another. You know what I'm saying? Mikasa sukasa. Pen when, say pen u. Come on now, did I get that Haitian Creole right? Come on, I'm trying up here. I'm trying. My bread is your bread. Hang on, it's about to get worse. Ne don un, ne un don ia. Who heard that? <laughs> that's, that's Korean, man. My money is your money. Some of you are like, man, don't send me any yellow emo- emojis, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. But, 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 but can, we, can we step into that? Can we seek to live like that? What belongs to me belongs to you. And I'm not, I'm not playing about like, I send, I send all kinds, when I'm talking to people by text, man, I'm sending all kinds of emojis, right? Because it's like, we're all kind of like, I'm not just, I don't, you know, I'm white on the outside, but sometimes I'm, I'm black, brown, and, you know, yellow on the inside, all right? So like, I'll send my friends different emojis because I love them so much and because we're all a family, we're all in it together. You can think that's weird. You can even judge me for it. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Because we're family. We're sharing life together. Together meeting needs. Now, listen, we could add to this if you want a really long sermon. All right? Some of you do. Some of you don't. But we could, we could add they were together worshiping God. Clearly, they were together worshiping God. Together, they were witnessing to the resurrection of Jesus. Clearly. But I want to capture those two ideas under the reality of these Day-by-day wonders, okay? So, so day-by-day wonders, are, are lead, uh, sorry, day-by-day devotion is leading to, God is working in that devotion to bring about day-by-day wonders. Let's not only exercise the day-by-day devotion, let's experience the day-by-day wonders. Well, before we break this down, okay, let me just say this. Acts chapter 2 provides a picture, as does the rest of the book of Acts, okay, of what we would want to call revival or sometimes maybe misnamed revival and awakening. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and explain it. So, so revival is when God grabs a hold of a group of people, okay, and he gives them life. He is reinvigorating them, bringing back the vibrancy, the fullness of life. We've talked about this, be being filled with the Spirit, okay, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of Jesus, okay, so that we're now overflowing in praise and purity and partnership and proclamation through the empowering presence of God. Hopefully you've memorized that. And so that's revival, Revival often leads to, and a part of revival is usually awakening. And awakening happens when people not inside the church receive more life, but people outside of the church receive the life of Christ, and they are awakened to the realities of who Jesus is, what he did for him, them, and, and they're stepping into that life. And so the book of Acts is, is, is showing us what a church alive, filled with the Holy Spirit, living, walking, and revival and awakening is all about. And this is what we want to see right here, right now, in the city of Boston. 
I hope you're saying, I'm, I'm signed up. Like, I'm already there. I'm praying for that. I'm in on that, okay? That is what we are about. The upside-down city vision of seeing God turn Boston upside down for his glory, which is really, yes, right side up. So what, what do they see, okay? How did it overflow? Number one, it overflowed through miraculous works. Look at verse 43. Awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And so uh, the, this, this, this uh, signs and wonders, it's a way of, that Luke, the author, is going to characteristically speak of miraculous gifts. And yes, they were being done through the apostles, but as we continue to read the book of Acts, and certainly as we read the rest of the New Testament, Galatians and Corinthians, okay, um, the miraculous gifts were not limited to the apostles. These miraculous gifts were continuing to come about as the church moved forward in the love mission of Christ. But what we need to understand about these miraculous gifts, okay, this was not just like a spectacle, okay? This wasn't just the show, okay? This wasn't like July 4th, let's go down to the Charles, let's see the fireworks happen, okay? As, as amazing as that is, okay? These, these fireworks, these spectacular signs and wonders were for the purpose of, okay, don't miss this, the purpose of validating the word, the message of Christ, okay, and helping people understand the message of Christ. And so what I mean by that is, it, it, it was like, it was validation, okay? It was like, hey, something amazing is going on here. It seems like God has showed up. Maybe I should pay attention. Maybe I shouldn't just dismiss, like, Jesus is alive. Oh, yeah, right, people don't rise from the dead. Oh, wait, that person just rose from the dead. Like, like my neighbor just rose from the dead. I got to pay it till I keep reading Acts. It's just, it's in there. Lame men are walking. Blind men are seeing. So it validates the word, but it helps us understand the word, right? Because signs point to a greater reality. They point us to the coming kingdom of God. That God wants to take uh, the, the spiritual blindness, okay? And he wants to give us spiritual sight. He wants to satisfy our, our spiritual thirst. When he puts bread and water on the table. And then, of course, listen, of course, the miracles, they stand on their own two feet. And, and what I mean by that is that there is just goodness in a good deed, you know? We, we, we perform good works, good deeds, because they're actually helping people meeting their needs. And so for all of these reasons, okay, these miraculous works are being uh, displayed, manifest God. Don't miss it. God is doing it through these people, ordinary people, extraordinary God, extraordinary miracles. And these miracles were producing a response from the people around them. It says that awe came upon every soul. So, so this seems to like, this isn't just like the people in the church community, followers of Jesus. This seems to be people in the community as well. They had to take notice. They, they had to say, wow. What is going on here? They started to look at the apostles and these followers of Jesus with a higher sense of respect and reverence. Perhaps we could even say fear. That's how the word awe is translated in some uh, translations. You may see in your Bible uh, the word fear there, that, that fear came upon people. There was a nerve like, what is going on here? We've never seen these things before. 
And again, the, 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 the implication, the conclusion by many was, whoa, God is here. This is what happens in revival. This is what we're praying for. This is what a breakthrough year is all about. God is up to something undeniable in this group of people known as Redemption Hill. And the church, not just us, like we're praying for this in all the churches that love Jesus around Boston. God is up to something unmistakable and people have to take notice. Awe came upon every soul. And it says in verse 46 that they experienced favor with all the people. Let me, just, let me just pause and celebrate, all right? I know I'm an exhorter. I know I'm all about tomorrow, okay? But sometimes it's good to reflect and look back at yesterday, right? So you guys can help me with that. Like, don't forget, Tanner, this was amazing. Here's what's amazing. We've been here for seven years as a church, and it hasn't taken seven years to win favor and credibility from people in our city. It happened much earlier than that. And now we're enjoying the, the, the hard work of all the serving and all of the sincerity. I mean, listen, I always tell church planters when they come, like people that start churches. I always tell guys and, and teams, men and women that are starting churches around Boston, listen, people are going to go from not knowing who you are to not caring who you are to thinking that, yeah, you're just going to be around and then you're going to leave like I've seen other people do to being skeptical that, hey, you, you seem to be sincere, but I don't think you're sincere to after over time, Day by day by day, devotion, love, service. Wow. Man, don't, don't, you speaking bad about Redemption Hill? I don't ever plan to go to that church, but you don't talk bad about them because those people love our city and they love my family. Favor. God, give us more favor. I'm praying right now. You can pray when you preach, you know what I'm saying? It's cool. You just, yeah, you can do that when you read your Bible. You know. All right. Awe and favor, gladness and praise. Gladness and praise. Day by day, 46, verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We see here that they met in, in two different locations, okay? They met in the temple, all right? Perhaps like holding on to some of their, 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 their customs as, as Jews, like this was the gathering place for worship, and so they, weren't, they were no longer sacrificing, you know, lambs because they, they had seen the Lamb of God sacrificed for them, and so they, there were changes in their worship, okay? But, but they were still gathering in this place of worship, and, and probably because this was the, the, the place in the city where they could get the maximum number of people together. Right? So they go to the temple to, to worship together, to praise God together, to continue to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to pray together and, and to lift up praise before God. And we just we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but, but let's not miss that, that part of revival, part of fullness overflowing, is that there would be an atmosphere of worship in our lives, not just on Sundays, but like when we're driving around in the car, on our commute, in our kitchens, when we're making dinner and having people over. I'm talking about just push play. Turn on the music. Give God some praise up in there. I don't care if you can't sing because God don't care. Come on now, I'm preaching up here. Let's go. Let's, let's, 
lets an atmosphere of praise in our lives. I mean, are you not encouraged? Are you not encouraged? Like I'm telling you, this, the congregational singing is the fancy way of just like everybody singing together. Like it was amazing this morning. We're uplifted. We're encouraged. We're edified. We're built up. We're set free by the truths of these songs. Jesus is alive. God is able. I'm up against this situation in my life. Anybody up against the situation? Come on, I know you are. But God is able. Wow. Don't have to just sing that one on Sunday. Push play. Dang. Overflowing with praise and overflowing with gladness as they met from house to house. That's the second location. Okay, Not just in the larger gathering. This is, again, why we have groups. Not just Sundays, but in groups, community groups, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Equip groups, start groups, explore groups. We're, we're coming together, and we're actually happy about it. You know, we're actually happy about it. Like, God gives us, like, we want to spend time together. When we spend time together, we're, we're glad. We're delighting in not just God, but in one another. And so I just want to say this before we move on to this last idea. Listen, Satan hates you. Satan hates you, and he will lie to you all day long. It's the only language he speaks. It's the language of lies. And so, so listen, I mean, I, I get it, and I've been there, but, 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 but with, like, with, with getting together in groups or over meals or whatever the case may be, um, outside of Sundays, listen, he's going to lie to you. You shouldn't like them. They're not like you. They won't accept you. They won't understand you. They see things different than you do. They haven't been what you've been through. I call that the lies. The lies from the evil one. He's like, can we, like, if we can hear the voice of God, God help us to hear the voice of the evil one. I mean, I can tell you how it manifests itself in my life. I'm like, I'm going to meet with somebody in the community. I'm maybe going to meet with one of you. And I start hearing these conversations in my mind. Oh, this is what they're thinking. Oh, they think this about me. Oh, they think this about this decision that we've made as a church, right? And so it's just like, what? No one said that. Get behind me, Satan. Come on. Get like, I'm not, don't, God, protect me. Protect us from listening to the junk, from listening to the lies. I want to say some other things. but You can just call it a lie. Just call it a lie. All right. So there's, there's miraculous works. There's, there's awe and favor. There's, glad, there's gladness and praise. But then as it ends, there's, there's also gospel growth. Gospel growth. At the end of verse 47... As they were praising God and having favor with all the people, what does it say that God was up to? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so there's, there's little doubt, okay? There's little doubt that they met in the temple not so they could have a little social club known as, you know, the way, or that's what they were called in the early church, the way. It's not just internally focused as much as we love one another, okay? They met in the temple because that's where the people were. 
the city was gathering in the temple. So they went to the temple so that they could talk about Jesus and they could say, you remember that dude that you crucified? Listen, it didn't take him more than a couple to rise from the dead. Wow. He's alive. We had a meal with him multiple times. And he taught us because we needed a little help. That this is like, you see, you see Psalm 22? You see Psalm 16? You see Joel 2? You see, it's all pointing to him. The Messiah was going to be a suffering servant, but the Messiah was going to rise from the dead. They were there to tell people about Jesus. And as they were talking about Jesus, people, one by one by one by one, were, oh, wow. It all adds up. I need him in my life. I need God to bring me this ultimate and final salvation. And so I just want to ask, and this is a real question. This isn't like Tanner at the end of the sermon. This would be a great question to ask. I really want us to answer this question. Do you believe? Do you believe that God can do it again? I don't want to just read this book. I don't want to just read this book. I want to live this book. And I want to live it with you. I want God to do signs and wonders. I want him to bring favor and awe. I want us to be praising him and have gladness as we tell the story with boldness and courage and sensitivity and wisdom. Yes, all that I want, and I want to see people day by day, by day, by day say, wow, it adds up. It has to be. It's too good not to be true. Jesus is alive. I follow him. So I just want to, I want to invite the, the, the music team to come on up. And I just want us to lean into this just a little bit in prayer. Listen, I just, it's the simple gospel. You know, Billy, Billy Graham passed this week. He died on Monday at 99 years of age. And, and listen, Billy Graham, he, he spoke in uh, 185 countries and territories uh, he's probably spoke to more people than, than, than any other human being, maybe other than Pope John Paul II, uh, than, than anyone in the, the, the history of the world. But it wasn't because of his amazing eloquence that thousands upon thousands upon thousands received the gospel message. It was because of the simple gospel that he would say in that North Carolinian accent. Just go YouTube, amazing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, should not die eternally, but they should have eternal life. And so my question to you today is, have you experienced this eternal life for yourself? If not, today is the best day to make that happen. Believe in Jesus. But if, if, 
If you have received it, then are you about the business of actually sharing that news? Day by day by day. I want to lead us in a time of prayer. The music team is going to come out. They're going to lead us in a song of response, just singing about the goodness and the sufficiency of Christ. But let's lean in. Let's ask God to do, not just read about it, not just hear it Sunday after Sunday for a season, okay? But to really live, God, would you help us? God, would you help us to not just receive information, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, live a life of transformation. God, we need you. We are weak. We are fearful. We are scared. We are selfish. So God, we need you to light us up. We need you to move us out. We need you to do what only you can do. God, we want to experience these day-by-day wonders as we exercise day-by-day devotion. And so God, ignite us in those ways, God, all for your fame, all for your glory, that at the end of this, at the end of 2018, when we see our church grow and maybe double in size, who knows what you want to do is, God, do whatever you want to do because then whatever you do and all the number of people that are day by day being saved, God, will say, hey, you know what? Hey, it's because of Christ alone. It's because of what you have done among us. And so, God, give us a hunger. Give us a hunger for it. Give us a deep faith to believe it. In the name of Christ.